Imagine getting the phone call that no parent wants to get, that your child has been in a serious accident and has lost their life. The panic, the fear, the grief, your mind races, and all the feels go through your body. The journey of what to do next starts and what to do with your grief. Joining me on the show today is a grief coach that walked through that unthinkable phone call. So if that's you, or you know somebody that's going through that horrible time, this episode is dedicated to you with lots of love. Hey there, you're listening to the Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm Sharon Hughes, and on this show, we talk about mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be with tips, strategies, and interviews to help you create a life you love. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's go. Joining me on the show today, I have an amazing guest that has basically been to hell and back. She is the host of Real Girl Talk podcast. She's a certified grief coach, the author of several top-selling books, Welcome to the show, Sherry Rickard. Hey, Sharon. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled that you were able to carve out time in your very busy schedule to <laughs> join me and just to, to unpack some of the things that we were talking about off air about grief and the work that you do. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, you know, I've been talking about grief now for about 12 years. Um, it's not something that I wanted to talk to well, talk about for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but in 2007, um, as we were talking about before, my 17 year old was trying to make curfew and was on his way home to his dad's home and was in a car accident and he was killed um, instantly. Mm-hmm. And I was 2000 miles away from home in California on a business trip. And so it was basically a blackout from flying from LA to Memphis, which is where he was at the time and going through the entire saying goodbye to Bryant, who Mm. was just a mother's dream, 4.2 great point average national honor society, most attractive of a senior class. And if you told him he was good looking, he'd turn 50 shades of red. You know, he just, just, just a heart of gold that the, he was a wonderful son. We had a very good relationship. And it was a struggle, Sharon. It was a struggle, but you know, I, I had to face a situation of depression and destruction or getting into the game and using that pain some way, somehow to number one, keep Bryant's memory alive because that was really important to me Mm -hmm. and also figure out how to heal from that. And so I let God um, show me a way and that's where I am today and why I do what I do. Sherry, there's just no words for that as a mother and as, as so many in the audience um, has children. I, I don't even know how you pick up the pieces and move forward and, and you do grief coaching. So how do you work with someone that's struggling with such tremendous heartbreak? What, what is the, what is step one after that scenario? Well, it depends on 
at what point or where are they in their grief? Okay. So one thing that I did not understand when I was going through my grief and, and let me preface it by saying when my son died, I did not know a parent that had lost a child. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was alone on an island. Mm. And even though I had tremendous support in people around me, you have to remember those people knew Bryant and yeah. they too were grieving um, the, the loss. So I didn't have anyone that I could just call up on the phone and say, Hey, you know, you don't know my son and this is what happened. Try not to cry while I'm talking to you because that doesn't help me. Yeah. Um, And I am not one to burden anyone with my troubles. So I begin journaling and that's what I try to teach people. There there are really three resources. Okay. That I, I use, I'll tell you three resources that I always tell everyone to start with. First of all, it's prayer. Mm -hmm. And I know the last thing somebody wants to hear when they're going through complete adversity, pain, trauma, no matter what has happened to you is you need to pray or read the Bible because I wasn't going to read the Bible, Mm -hmm. but for someone to give me something that had a prayer verse on it that related to my situation, Mm -hmm. that related to what I was going through, I was going to read it. Mm -hmm. And you know, any little planting of a mustard seed can grow. Mm-hmm. So if you are, you're putting affirmations out, quotes out, Bible verses out, you're praying. The third thing that I would say that you need to do is journal. And a lot of people don't like to write, but I'm telling you, once you start, once you just put your tears like ink onto paper mm-hmm. and you get out all of your struggles, it's really kind of a release. And like I said, I wrote for, for seven years before my first book, Wake Up, Call a Mother's Grief Journey was ever published in 2014. And even while I was writing, it wasn't something that um, I intended to turn into a book at all. That's not what it was about. It was about being able to write down my pains. And I eventually turned the writing journal into a workbook on my computer. So when I was out of town a lot in the hotels, um, I would type into my journals on my computer. And yes, it's very difficult to talk to someone that's going through grief. But like I said, it really just depends on where they are in their grief. If it's at the very beginning and they're still in the denial stage, they're not coachable. I mean, there's really nothing that I can coach you through if you're not, if you, if you're still denying the fact that it even happened or it happened that way, or they're still struggling in that first stage of denial. Mm-hmm. If they've are, if they're going through the anger mm-hmm. stage, they're still not coachable. You know, there, there's a, there's a, there's the only time that you're able to get anyone in any kind of coachable situation is if they're at the stage of depression or acceptance. Mm-hmm. But while they're in the denial, the anger or the bargaining stage, it's not a time to coach. It's a time for them to grieve, let them grieve, let them go through the grieving Um, It's going to last forever. You know, I say that I'm on a grief journey, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I wake up every morning and I cry. I will always be going through a grief journey because I buried my 17 year old son and any mother would understand that. Right. 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 I've heard people refer to situations in their life that had deep grief surrounding it, whether it was losing a loved one or it was a divorce, something something traumatic. And they would say, well, shouldn't I be over it by now? Why is this still bothering me? What oh, you, wow. What would you say to that? 
Yeah. So that's, that's really good. I like that because I hear it all the time. So let's back up a little bit and talk about what grief actually is. Grief is two parts. Mm -hmm. So the first part of grief is the actual part of loss. Mm -hmm. The second part is the remaking of life. Mm. So when someone is to a point to where they say, this should not be bothering me, but it still is. They have not prepared for the second part. They are not prepping for the second part of remaking of their life. They're still living in part one, which is the loss. Mm -hmm. And they haven't moved on to part two. Mm -hmm. And the remaking of life depends on that person's circumstance. So for example, um, there is a particular couple that uh, had lost a child to murder and they had a memorial set up in their backyard where you could see it from their bedroom window. Now, at what point are you going to be able to go through the remaking of life when the first thing you see every morning as you wake up and look out your bedroom window are flowers and a memorial set up in the backyard for your daughter that was murdered? You'll never get to part two. Mm. So my son was buried in Memphis and I live in South Louisiana now. If I lived in Memphis, I would go to the gravesite every single day. I know that I would. Mm -hmm. So you have to set yourself apart to what is not gonna what is not gonna allow you to go through part two, which is the remaking of life. So what does that mean for you? Does it mean um, changing up the bedroom? Does it mean moving out of the house? You know, I don't live in the same house that I did, but I also wouldn't let anyone touch anything of Bryant's for an entire year Yeah, for one year. And that's what I recommend um, to anyone that I'm coaching is if you have a child that has passed away, you leave that room alone for an entire year. You don't make any rash decisions because you can make some crazy decisions yeah. within a year because you're really not thinking through what you need to think through. Right. Now, when we talk about grief, we're also talking about divorce mm -hmm. because you can be married for 15, 20, 30 years and your Saturday mornings are forever changed. Your Christmases are forever changed. You know, everything is different after a divorce, right. especially if you have children, right? right? So you can also talk about bankruptcy and your identity loss. And you can talk about um, losing your business or um, just a financial ruin. This is all a grief. Mm -hmm. It's not just the loss of a loved one. Granted, losing a child, um, I would argue to say is the worst pain in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but for someone that's not a mom, yeah. the worst pain in the world for them may be losing their mother mm -hmm. or losing their spouse or right. losing their sister or their brother. So I was not certified in grief. Um, I've been in the medical industry for geez, I've lost count over 25 years. And at the time I had just landed a job in the corporate world. I had been nursing in ICU for many years, uh, 12 hour shifts. And I had landed a corporate job in April. And I was training, like I said, in California for that job when my son died um, in July of the same year. So it was only a few months into that corporate job that uh, Bryant was killed in his car accident. And, you know, I had put many tags on many toes in ICU. Mm. And I had put many bodies in bags. And one thing that I always did is I prayed over my patients um, when they passed away. And I was always the best support that I possibly could be as a nurse um, to any family members. 
but I never really understood the depths of grief and pain until Bryant died. Yeah. And I think God took me out of bedside nursing and put me into this corporate job because I did not need to be taking care of a patient that died after my son had died. Mm. That was not the best situation for me is to deal with the deceased body. What I was being prepped for is being able to care for those that are left behind. Mm. And, and that's what I'm here for. And, and I don't do a lot of coaching, Sharon. Um, you know, like I was telling you before we got on, I only take on five one-on-one coaching clients a month because we go into really deep, we pull up some deep issues and it's not just grief. You know, I've, I've had, um, clients on helping them develop confidence and self-awareness, um, depression. Um, I don't take on all clients. Um, I do a 20 minute discovery call before to make sure that we are a match. I have, uh, and I will turn down clients because it's just not a good match. I'm probably not the best counsel or coach for them and I will refer them to someone else. Um, so it just really depends on, on where you are. But one thing that I, I always am is I'm there for any mom that has lost a child. I will always, always be a coach to a mom that's lost a child. Wow. What a story. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about being an ICU nurse and, oh gosh, it just like, it's so hard for me to even talk about this and I have not went through what you have, but you just, yeah. you don't want anyone to go through that. But my daughter's in nursing school and I just thought about what we talked about before we went on the air about how you want to bring a program so that yes, nurses get more education around the grief. And yes. you know, what's really interesting is I was 16 and I worked in a nursing home. I had lied to get the job. Like back then they didn't check your ID to make sure how old you were. And I had said I was 18 and because I joined this little nursing home because they had a nursing program Yeah, and a patient died and I quit. I wasn't prepared. Of course not at 16, but even if I was 18 right. or 20, I probably would not have been prepared for that. Right. Death and, and grief is so hard. Our culture really, as, as a culture does in a society, I don't think that we're prepared for that. How, how you know, do you I, that? It's be, and I don't know if it's because we don't want to be or if there's not enough education and resources mm-hmm. to help people understand. Because what I found is when someone's grieving, What we want to say is, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. And I will tell you that one of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm over it now, um, but at the beginning, it was really hard for me to hear, I'm sorry for your loss. It made me angry Mm. that you were telling me you're sorry for my loss like I lost my pet dog. You know, Mm. you're sorry for my loss. Say his name. You know, tell me what you're sorry for. Mm. You know, be there for me, but that's hard for us to do mm-hmm. as a culture because we don't want to mentally put ourselves where you are. 
we don't really want to think really hard about how much pain you're feeling because then we start feeling that pain and we don't want to go there because we're in a world of roses and rainbows and unicorns where mm -hmm. we want to talk about inspiration and empowerment, which is great because right. I'm an affirmation junkie. I will tell you, it pulls me through. But reality is that every day is not roses and mm -hmm. rainbows and unicorns. You know, we have days where we actually need that support. Do I believe that you should go on Facebook and talk about all of your miseries? No, I do not. There is a place and time for those. Mm -hmm. um, but I also um, am saddened at the fact that I know people that have committed suicide and have left notes that have mm. said that their life is not comparable to those, all of the happy people on Facebook. Mm. When we know that we're only putting our proudest moments on Facebook. We're not mm -hmm. displaying our fight with our husband or the fact that, you know, your, your child may be using drugs or, um, you know, you just went through a divorce or you found out that your mom was cheating on your, your dad or whatever your situation. Mm -hmm. We don't plaster that all over Facebook, but what has happened in our society is that we want, to put on a good face for everyone and say, this is how we are 24 seven. And then we have those people that are really real and authentic looking at that saying, wow, you know, I live in misery compared to all of the people, all of my Facebook friends, which is actuality is just not true. It's just not reality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's, you know, a bad thing. You should be able to, you know, I'll post my granddaughter and you know, her birthday parties and all of that great stuff. But the, the reality is everyone suffers. Mm -hmm. Everyone at some point has grieved. It is a universal emotion. We have yeah. all grieved over something. Mm -hmm. So why do we ignore or we pass by those that are hurting so bad because we're trying to protect our hearts and our day because we want to stay positive? Right. Yeah. I, I've seen that shift too, that exactly what you just said. We're starting to walk right past those that are injured and broken right. because we want to stay high vibe. <laughs> I keep saying high vibes only. I'm right. Like, oh my goodness gracious. And, and, and it's okay. We want to be able to, you know, I was telling you that my journal, Create Your Life 30-Day Devotional um, Journal, I'm, I'm hoping will come out within the next three or four weeks it's still in the work process. But one of the things that I have in the back of the journal are affirmations, mm -hmm. literally affirmations with dotted lines that you can cut out and then you can put on your mirror so you don't have to write on a sticky note. And I wanted to be able to do that because I truly believe that when you are just like the person looking out the window at their daughter's memorial, and that is what they're looking at every day on the flip side. If you are looking at scripture and positive affirmations and you're listening to positive inspirational podcasts, or you're listening to Joyce Meyer or Joel Osteen or whoever you want to listen to preach the word of God, then that is positive in I'm waking up in the morning. And the first thing that I do is I reach for my daily devotion. Mm -hmm. That is the first thing that I put into my brain. Right. before caffeine is my daily devotion. Well, let's back up. My dog goes out first, then it's the daily devotion. <laughs> Lucy runs the show. And so that is the first thing that I want to put in. And you, if you get into a routine and your morning routines are just as important as your night routines, 
if you get into a morning routine where you have positive in, you know, my mom always says garbage in, garbage out. Right. And when I was growing up and it is so true nowadays, we have so much on the television, the, the news and the politics and just the junk that is just regurgitated over and over. And that's what we, and the reality TV has just gotten out of hand. Mm-hmm. If we, if we take a step back from that and we truly want to better ourselves and we want to set ourselves up in a higher vibe, as you say, mm-hmm. or on a next level thinking, we have to be able to really, truly set our mindset to positive vibrations, positive in, so positive out mm-hmm. first thing every morning and before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maintain that kind of mindset. I, I look at it like, like if you don't fill your vessel, you can't pour into others. Of course not. Right. Right. And Just then, like hurt people hurt people. Exactly. Right. So if you're hurting mm-hmm. and you're the kind of person that you're anger, or you lash out when you're hurting, mm-hmm. then you're going to hurt someone else. Well, then that person that you just hurt is now hurting because of you. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're angry and they're hurt. And who are they going to lash out? Their kids that walk in off the bus at three o'clock and it all trickles back down to maybe the third or fourth person that hurt them. Right. You know, yeah. and you know, just, I was at McDonald's uh, the other day going through a drive. Oh, I just told on myself and my <laughs> nutritional coach is probably listening, but I was going through McDonald's and the person in front of me, I heard that I heard the cashier tell him that the lady in front of him had bought his meal. And I was mm. like, it, I should have been one more car up. I would have had money. <laughs> but, um, and, and he was just sitting there and he, she had to repeat it three times because he was like, what? She just bought my meal. And I could hear all this because my window was down, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, that is so awesome. And I could hear him get it really excited. Oh, and I thought, yeah. what is he going to do now? She just filled him right. with excitement. That's probably never happened to him before. He's, now he's filled. His, mm-hmm. his, his happy tank and joyful tank is filled mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. So what is he going to pour out to the next person that he encounters? Mm-hmm. Happy right. and joy. Right. So it works both, it works both ways, you right. know? So our job as a friend, a coworker, a parent, whatever it is, our job is to be able to empower and be able to be a positive influence on that person that is right next to us or who God has put before us. Mm-hmm. Because you don't run into anyone by accident. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking to you today by accident, right? Right. So whoever is put before you, it is your job to be able to influence, empower, and instill positivity in that person that's planting that seed. So they go out for that next person and just think where our world would be if every single person did that. Oh, the domino effect. We could change things overnight, literally. We could rock the world. We could could rock the world. So this is so good. This is so good. but, But misery, you know, in reality, misery loves company a lot of times. So I have found that in my, we were talking about this in my speaking that some of the moms that I have spoken to, they identify with their grief, right? Women that are hurting from their husband that packed the bags and walked out the door for the Mm -hmm. 30 something year old girl or the 20 something Mm -hmm. year old girl, they identify with that grief, right? Right? So they want to stay right where they are because they don't know where to go from there. They're not in part two of remaking of life. 
And some of them don't want to be. They're still grieving. They're still Mm -hmm. grieving. And when you say, I should be over this by now, there's no time clock Mm -hmm. on grief, whatever you're grieving from, whatever it is, there is no time clock. Now there is complicated grief Mm -hmm. and a complicated grief would be years down the road when the mom is still living in a room that looks like a shrine of her child. Mm, Okay. Now we're in complicated grief. My family came to me after a year and said, Sherry, we don't want to look at pictures of Bryant, every wall in the house. Mm. This hurts us. It makes you feel good, but it hurts everyone else in the house. Can we take down the shrine? Wow. And I had, it was hard for me. That was really hard for me because how dare you not want to look at my son every single time you turn a corner Mm -hmm. and how ridiculous for me to think that because of course they don't. So what I did is I took my pictures and I brought them into my office and I had my office shrine. And then from there it decreased. I left his senior picture up and then I have a baseball picture and I have little pictures here and there. And in my office, I can look straight across on the wall and my son's senior picture is in a big, um, I don't know what that is. It's like a 13 by 15 or 16 picture, but it's in the hall because, and it always goes in a hall space, whatever house we're in, because he looks over us and that everyone could agree on that. Oh, that's beautiful. And so that's where we are. And I, and I have my pictures. I mean, you might, I don't know if you can see Bryant, Mm -hmm. your your listeners can't, but you can see my Bryant in his baseball outfit right there. And, and then I have his senior picture and, you know, a couple of pictures he's by my bed, but my house is no longer a shrine. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's not in my best interest. Mm-hmm. It's not in the best interest of everyone in the house. And this is not how my son would want me to live. Right. But I think that what you're describing is the normal process of grief. It's, it is. It's just hold that person that I lost as close as I can and as tightly right. as I can for right. this time, for this season. And you can, there's so yeah. many, I mean, I have blog posts on uh, my website and, you know, I, I, of course I have the podcast and I'm, I, I try to always put out information on how you can keep your loved one close to you. Mm-hmm. I have so many ideas that not, and mm-hmm. there's a blog, I think the blog post is still up on my website, ideas for holidays mm. on how to incorporate your loved one in a joyful way in the holidays. Wow. So you never have to. Bryant will never be excluded Mm -hmm. because what my work and what I do is when I speak, I always speak of Bryant and and the adversities that I go through and my grief journey and my walk. So therefore I keep Bryant alive. Mm -hmm. And I know moms that have taken this. We used to have a 5k and a scholarship foundation, which we actually had for 10 years. And I know moms that are still have their foundations, you know, 15, 16, 20 years later, Mm-hmm. And that's their way of healing. I yeah. found that if you can take the, the death of a loved one and you can turn it into something, whether it be a 501c3, a 5k run, a fundraiser, a t-shirt, um, whatever it is that you want to do, it could just be a blog, mm-hmm. you know, where you're doing writing, um, or whatever it is that you want to do, or it could just be a small group in church where you go out and help people that have lost mothers 
Maybe you lost your mom and you want to help others heal from that loss. If you can take that pain and turn that into a healing for someone else, mm-hmm. you'll always keep them close to you. Yeah. Because you're always, wow. because it's your purpose. We're all yes. born, born on purpose for a purpose. Right. And my purpose is to give hope and healing, hope mm-hmm. and healing. And however I can do that, whether it's podcast, books, speaking, whatever it is, whether it's to church, ladies groups, um, I, I, you know, I was telling you that I spoke at LSU and, you know, the, the universities and the sorority girls and, you know, wherever it is that I can speak and bring hope and healing, confidence building, inspiration, self-awareness to, to whoever it needs it. It's all because of where God has put me from the death of Bryant. Therefore he is the reason and will always be the reason that I do what I do, which makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right? a great way to honor his memory. Yes. It's a beautiful way. So I want to circle back to a couple things that you said earlier. Okay. One of them was you were talking about that when you're grieving, you can make rash decisions. Mm-hmm. What would be a couple of steps that someone could take that's grieving to make sure that they don't make rash decisions that they might regret later? Do nothing for 12 months. That's a good one. Absolutely nothing. That's a good one. For 12 months. Okay. So if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, I would not recommend getting rid of every single thing that belongs to the loved one, every single thing for 12 months. Now I lost my dad in July of just last year and my mom, she probably got rid of a handful of things but we are not going to make her get rid of everything in that room. My dad was in a separate room because he had had a stroke and um, mm-hmm. in the hospital bed. Of course, we sold the hospital bed, but you know, a lot of his clothes and a lot of his things and the, his drawers and every chest of drawers, they're all still full because mm-hmm. she doesn't need to touch all of that until right. July of this year or even yeah. contemplate it for until July of this year, a year, a full year then gives you the rights or gives you the permission, I guess, to start thinking about what you're going to do with those items. Yeah. You know, um, now if you, if it's a divorce, Mm -hmm. that's not as simple because you do have to make rash decisions. You may have to sell a house. You may have to consolidate your goods. Um, it just depends. Um, but as far as a rash decision on someone that's divorced, it would be jumping into another relationship very quickly. Mm, Right. Okay. It would be dating someone and moving them in your house very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Those kind of things would be rash decisions over someone that's actually grieving the divorce, not the one that's celebrating it, but the one that's grieving. Right. And isn't that so typical of I've got this gaping wound in my heart and I just want the bleeding to stop. So I'm going to fill it with something else. Yeah. And it could be alcohol, Mm -hmm. food, drugs, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was telling you M&Ms, peanut M&Ms was the drug of my choice after Bryant mm-hmm. died. So I sat in bed and, you know, people sent me cards and books and, you know, all kind of things, you know, for me to occupy my time because I did not want to get out of the bed. And along with that, people knew that I loved candy. Mm-hmm. So they fed me candy. <laughs> so I, I laid in bed gaining weight for six weeks, you know, yeah. and, and, and reading books and, and crying and eating peanut M&Ms. That was my drug of choice. But there are, um, and a lot of people don't realize this, but 3% of the American population of mothers lose their children. 
Wow. I did not know the number was that high. 3% of the American population of mothers lose Mm. their children. And that's a high percentage when you think of the billions of people um, in in the world, in America alone. So if you think about that, of 3% of those moms, whether it be to SIDS or Mm -hmm. whether it be to a miscarriage or Mm -hmm. a child that has committed suicide, uh, horrific, you know, when you see a 14 year old take their own life because Mm -hmm. they feel there's no hope. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, drug overdose, drugs have taken over our society and kids are using them to uh, drown their pains because mm-hmm. they're suffering in school because they're being bullied or, you know, they're not fitting in. They don't feel accepted or they think everybody's life is great on Facebook, but theirs, right. um, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, we always are looking for something to fill that void mm-hmm. and what we're missing, what everyone mm-hmm. is missing is the fact that God is waiting to fill that void for us. Mm. We just don't want to reach out. We don't want to reach out because we want to stay in that grief. We want to stay sad. We want to stay miserable for a point of time because we feel closest to our loved one while we're, while we're there. Mm. You know, a mom doesn't want to, I told my husband, I said, I'll never be happy again. I told him that for years. I'll never be happy again because I didn't feel like, I was a good mom mm-hmm. if I was happy again. How could I be happy again? And Barry Bryant, that's, I would be a horrible mother. And that was my mindset. Right. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. I can really see that. And, and a lot of moms are like that still. You know, they'll go years and they'll say, I'll, I'll never be happy. It'll, it'll never, it'll, of course you can be happy. It's a choice, but it's not normal. It's your new normal. So is the the mindset then if I move on and I'm happy that somehow they think that I am selling out isn't the right word, but selling out that person that's gone. Like I'm like, I'm moving on with, without them and that's wrong. I can't do that to them. Well, and, and it is a mindset because in actuality, Sharon, when you wake up the next day and they're not here, you've actually moved on without them. That's when you true. woke up the next morning mm-hmm. and they weren't there, mm-hmm. you moved on with the next day. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of the words move on. Mm. So I don't use the words move on. I use that I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm learning and I actually learned how to live with it. I'll never move on. I'm mm. just living and learning how to live and have joy and happiness and still surrounding Bryant around me. Yeah, Bryant is always around me. Bryant is so proud of me and I feel it mm-hmm. because I'm connected to God. Yeah. And I feel, I know Bryant's in heaven. So why would I not want to talk to God and say, hey, give Bryant a kiss for me tonight? Mm. You know, why would I not want to do that? When, when, I, when I'm in the word and I'm reading God's word and I'm talking about Jesus Christ being my Lord and Savior, Bryant's proud of me because he's standing right there. Mm -hmm. And when you have that connection and you have that relationship with Jesus, then you feel connected to your loved one who is right there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he's proud of me. Mm -hmm. You know, when I am speaking or I'm on a TV show or whatever I'm doing, I feel like he's going, oh, that's good, mom. That's good. 
when God is saying very good, you know, that you're a good servant. I feel like Bryant saying, that's great, mom. I'm so proud of you, mom. And I have to keep that mindset mm-hmm. that Bryant is proud of me. He would not want me crying. Right. He also wouldn't want me eating all those M&Ms because he was, <laughs> he was an athlete and, you know, he was in great shape and he would get on to me with my bad eating habits. But I know that he's proud of what I'm doing and I have to keep that and instill that in my brain or I will crumble. Right. I will crumble. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. You, you have, have to. to. So another yeah. thing that you that you just touched on a little bit earlier was about finding support. Where mm-hmm. can somebody go to find support so they can learn to live with it and what the new normal is? So in order to be able to have your new normal, you know, I, I truly believe in therapy, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about therapy and the therapist out there may get mad at me for this, but I went through four therapists and I didn't like any of them. And I'll tell you why, because as a mother that's lost a child, I don't need a therapist to tell me how to grow and move and heal through that if they're a mother and they've never lost a child. Yeah. Because you're talking to me from your school books and your education, not from your experience. Mm -hmm. So first thing I tell people that are actually grieving the loss of a loved one, because remember there's different forms of grief. If you are suffering the, the, the grief of a loved one, whether it be a child, a mom, you know, a sibling, I believe that you should go to a therapist that has experience Mm-hmm. as well as education with that particular loss mm-hmm. that might be hard to find, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on and got my certification in grief coaching only because I had the experience, but not the education. Like I mm-hmm. said, the nursing field does not prepare us for the grief and how to handle grief in the hospital like we should. Right. And hopefully one day that will change. So even with a medical background, I did not have the education that I needed. So I be going to speaking events and having people come to me and saying, oh, I lost my dad. And at the time my dad was great. I thought, I don't know how to talk to this person. Right. You know, I can talk all day long about the death of a child, but you're coming at me with something I don't know. So when I started studying, I went to an online program that, only, that was only for nurses and doctors and got my certification that way. And I learned then that grief was in so many different parts, whether it be divorce or your identity. Mm-hmm. That's when I started realizing, oh my gosh, you know, even though I'd been through a divorce, I, I didn't realize that that was all part of grieving. Right. And so I learned the loss of the mom, the loss of the dad and the siblings. And I learned that. So I have the experience and the education. So first off, do your homework, see what their experience is with grief, not just education. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I would recommend if you've lost a child, um, or if you are a grandparent that's lost a grandchild, um, you can go to a group that's called compassionate friends. Mm. Compassionate friends has about 600 and 650 different chapters all over the country. And if you go to compassionatefriends.com, uh, you can go there and find putting your zip code or your city find out when they're meeting. They all meet once a month on different days of the weeks and different times. So it would just Mm -hmm. depend on 
you know, where you live in the U.S. in order to find out where your compassionate friend group meets. Now, we'll tell you that it's not a religious organization, but it's not a non-religious organization. In other words, it's, it's, they're there to be a support mm -hmm. of grief. Um, occasionally I will hear, um, you know, Bible verses and I will hear God that's brought up, but it is not a, I don't even know that I would say it was spiritual organization. Um, it's just a support group. Mm -hmm. It's just a support group, but I think they're a great support group. I've spoken at several of their chapters in three different States and, you know, I incorporate what I need to, in order to get my um, message across. To the audience, but uh, I do highly recommend them. And they do have a national conference every year. It's usually around June or July in Texas. Mm -hmm. And it may be something, and they have different workshops that you can go to. So you could maybe bring a friend as a support mm -hmm. and go to their conference. And then you can listen to many speakers um, through Compassionate Friends. But uh, that would be something that I would um, recommend. And also journaling. Journaling yeah. would also uh, be something I would highly recommend. Yeah, I know journaling is really effective. I use that with my clients as well. Yes. There's so many things to put in your pocket so that, and heaven forbid, anybody loses a child, but it does happen. And then we can be a little more tender with those around us that are hurting and yes. at least have a couple of things in our pocket for helping them and where to direct them. Right. So you can connect with Sherry at sherryrickard.com. That's going to be linked below. And if you're an Instagram user, she's at empowerment is beauty. And of course, she's the host of Real Girl Talk podcast. Come back anytime, Sherry. And I and I especially love to have you to come back before the holidays, maybe to give some survival tips because the holidays are pretty rough when you're yes. dealing with grief. Oh, I'd love to. I, I have an article out and I can share it on your podcast when it gets closer to the holidays. I'd be happy oh, to. That would be great. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll have everything linked below. Thank you. Hey friends, that was a rough episode to record. Sherry and I spoke at length before and after we hit the record button. And I just pray, and I know it's her prayer too, that if you're going through the loss of a child or you're walking with a friend through the loss, we just pray that you will find comfort in this really, really difficult season. And as always, I wish you every good thing, but right now, especially an extra measure of hope, of peace, of love, and rest. Until next time, friends.